0: Good morning everyone, it's good to see you all, and I'm just going to get rid of this. If I can. All right, well if you're online, watching us online right now, uh, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us, and if you're in the building, uh, we're really glad that you're joining us as well. If you're new with us, uh, maybe this is your first time here, um, welcome. And if this is your first time logging in to watch, Welcome. Uh, one of the things that's really, really important to us is that you understand and that we're all on the same page when it comes to why we have gathered. And you already saw Sue mention it in our vid- uh, in the video. But I want to just highlight it again, that our mission as a church, mission as Deer Run Church, is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And that is something that uh, we have always focused around. It is, you know, in the later years is when we kind of, uh, you know, clarified it and put it in a certain statement, but this is something that we want you to focus on, that when you're here, that our mission is about uh, not only, um, you know, gathering as a church and, and doing those kind of things, not only about singing, not only about, you know, praying and those, all of that is important, but really all of that needs to be focused on one thing, and that is that we want to lead people to a personal relationship with Jesus. And very quickly, what does that mean? Uh, That means that we want you to have more of a relationship with Jesus that is more than just saying that you're a Christian. It's more than just saying that you go to a certain church. We want you to have a relationship with Jesus where you want to share the gospel of Jesus with others. And where you yourself are committed to sharing what God has done in your life with others so that they too will share Um, you know, the gospel with Jesus. And so we sometimes use this tagline that when you give your life to Jesus, you're not crossing uh, the finish line, you're not crossing, you know, this is not all done, and yay, I gave my life to Jesus, and now I just have to wait until heaven comes. All those things are beautiful, but when you give your life to Jesus, you're really crossing a starting line. There's a journey that has begun, and we want you to be part of that journey. We want you to share in that journey. Is it an easy journey? Not always. Is it a journey that we must all journey along? Absolutely, because as you give your life to Jesus, what you are ultimately doing is you are preparing yourself and you are committing yourself to also sharing the gospel of Jesus with others around you. And so if you're new here today, um, that is what our mission is. That is a really quick little take on what our mission statement means. And so I hope that you uh, feel welcome here, and I hope that uh, we continue to see you, and that God works in your life while you are Uh, present here, but also that you would allow God to work through you to impact other people. So I want to just highlight um, our sermons and other things. Uh, YouTube is the place where we put a lot of that stuff, and so um, if you um, have heard of YouTube, uh, well, I'm assuming you all have. If you haven't, um, I got nothing for you, but um, you know, our our sermons are all on YouTube, and you can go to our website, Church, and the links are all there. Everything is available to you, and so I would encourage you uh, to make use of that. Uh, there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, sermons lately that have really impacted people and over the years they've impacted people. And if you go to our website, you can find the sermons. there There's a long, long list. You can search by speaker, by topics, by themes, um, all those kind of things. And we want, want to really encourage you uh, to um, engage and learn and to make use of those resources. The other thing we want to encourage you to do is to express your prayer requests. If you are struggling through something, or if you're celebrating something, or if you have a big decision to make, or there's a change in your life, or whatever it might be, uh, let us as a church know. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, there's multiple ways that you can do that. You can call the church. You can email the church. You can go to our website, dearrun.church slash prayer. You can uh, contact us that way, Facebook. There's lots and lots of ways. You can come talk to us while you're here. Uh, There's many ways to do that, so please make use of that. Um, All the prayer requests that are sent to the church are prayed over and are prayed for. And so if you um, feel that maybe you've sent your prayer and you haven't heard from us, make sure you click the little button that says that you'd like to have feedback from us or a call back from us, and we would definitely follow up with you, and we've been doing that. And so we want to really encourage you uh, to remember that you don't need to uh, do this alone. Uh, Sometimes in the midst of life, uh, maybe, you know, you have a big decision to make or you're just in a place of uncertainty. Uh, health concerns are often brought to us and, and, and those sort of things. You don't need to journey through all of those things alone. So I want to really encourage you, you know, it might take a little bit of courage the first few times, but to get used to sharing your needs and sharing your burdens with, um, with the church. The other thing obviously with that then is that we would like you to pray Um, And you can get your bulletins and things like that. And so the prayer list that's in there, we would love for you to pray uh, for those items and to commit yourself to praying. Uh, This is not something that we just do from the stage here, but it's something that we really want to share. It's information we want to share with you so that you are constantly, constantly praying for one another. And so let's really commit ourselves to that. And so having said that, I would encourage us now to take a moment and let's pray for some of the items that are listed in our bulletin. Let's pray. God, we start by just praising you for who you are. Uh, We are so grateful that we serve a God uh, who is over all. And there are times, God, we don't understand your timing. There are times when we don't understand even your method. Uh, We don't understand um, the purpose behind what is happening in our lives. But Lord, at the same time, we come in confidence. We come uh, aware that you um, know what you're doing and that your will is good, and that you have a plan, and that we're grateful for that, that we are not worshiping and serving and obedient to a confused, chaotic God. And so we just praise you for that. And with that, God, we also have confidence to bring our needs to you, and to bring our fears to you, and to ask you to intervene, to ask you to answer, to ask you to have pity, and to have mercy. And so, God, at this time, I want to pray for some of the items that are listed in our bulletin. And and uh, I just ask, God, that in the, your way and in your timing, that you would um, seek to answer each of these requests. And we pray for Kathy Quiring. I thank you, God, for the healing that has taken place. But even in this moment, her situation is still unstable. And so we just bring her to you. We ask, God, that you would bring healing to her. We pray also for the immediate family and surrounding family as they Um, provide um, care and love and prayers, that you would comfort them and that you would strengthen them and that you would be near them. I also want to pray for Agonitha Clausen. She's struggling with a brain aneurysm. And I just pray, God, that she would sense your nearness to her as there's fear surrounding um, the severity of what is happening. And I just pray, Lord, that in this moment that your presence would overwhelm her and that you would just be so near to her and that the fears and the doubts and um, maybe even some of the disappointment that may come with timing and scheduling and appointments, God, we just pray that in all of this, um, she would just experience your presence right now. And then God, we pray that you would heal her. We pray that there would be a cure, that there would be a way um, that you would um, remove this and that she would be fully free. But in that time, God, I pray that you would give her strength as she continues on this journey. And Lord, we know that there are many others uh, in our congregation who are also struggling with other health concerns, and so we just pray for them as well. Even though we don't pray for each by name, God, you know who they are, and we pray that you would answer. And then, Lord, I want to conclude by thanking you for our country, by thanking you for the peace that we have. We thank you for the stability, for the infrastructure We thank you for all the different things that we have in this country that are easy for us to take for granted. But Lord, as you know, this is also a time for us as a country and for many around the world, countries where there's there's tension and turmoil, where leaders are beginning to doubt themselves, where leaders are maybe taking advantage of situations. God, there's so many things that we could speak about when we think of our country. So we pray, Lord, that you would have your way among us within our own lives, and within the lives of the leaders of our community, within our province of our in our federal government. And Father, we pray that you would lead and that they would open their hearts to be led by you. And Father, we don't know what that all means, and we don't know what that all looks like, but we still ask it, and we still trust that you can work, and we ask that you would. And now in a little bit as we go into our sermon, God, I pray that it would be a time of renewal, of, of uh of maybe some answers, and of focusing our attention on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to watch the bumper, and then right after that, I'll come back up and speak. Today, we're wrapping up um, this pray series, and we've been on this now for, I believe, six weeks. This Sunday will be six weeks. And so, if you haven't watched some of the other ones, uh, some of them were while we were still in lockdown. And so, um, some people have asked me, Wow, the views have just kind of plummeted. <laughs> and I was like, Well, we're back in the building. Come on, you know. But if you haven't watched them, uh, go back and watch and press the like button. Again, it's not for selfish reasons that we ask you to do that. but it does boost the uh, views on, uh, you know, on YouTube and once you kind of figure out how their algorithm works, you want to take advantage of it. And so press like, share the videos, and I think that this has been a wonderful series of just uh, teaching us and directing us. And I know from the stories that I've heard and from people who've contacted me um, and others that this has been a series that a lot of you have put into practice. And so I'm excited about that. And I trust that you're learning. I trust that you've learned some new information but more importantly, I really am um, trusting and hoping that you are putting it into practice and applying it into your own prayer life. We've said that praying or prayer is inviting Jesus into our hearts. And the reason for this definition, the reason we want to focus on this, is that we, want, we don't want to view prayer as just something, you know, I quickly, like, thank you God for this day and amen. And those are, those are forms of prayer. Those are wonderful but we want prayer to be something more deep. We want it to be something that's more fulfilling and so we, we've used the verse from Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 where Jesus is knocking and he says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And If anyone would open the door I will come in and eat with them and they with me. And that's the image, that's the mindset, that's the picture that we want us to have when we think of prayer, that when you pray that you are inviting Jesus in that you are having fellowship with him, that you're having conversation that with, with him, that you're sharing your needs with him, you're giving him your praise, you're, you're giving him thanks, and, and you're just talking with him. And other times, maybe you're opening up and you just rush into his arms and you're just holding him. Nothing is said, you're just spending time with him. And so, we talked last week about the forms of prayer, and I really hope that that was something that helped you to understand the different ways that you can pray. We've looked at some of the difficulty that comes with prayer. And we talked about how we need to be willing to be, you know, express our weakness, we need to be willing to recognize that it takes faith, but at the same time, sometimes the difficulty of prayer is that we try to give God all the ways in which He should answer our prayers. We try to tell Him all the things He should do, and that can make prayer very burdensome. And so we've looked at that, and again, I would encourage you to, to process that, and so You know, I think that there is so much more, and I know that there is so much more that we could say on this topic, and we could spend months and months maybe on this topic, and there's lots more that we could learn, but for now, I hope that you would begin to keep working on this. And I told you that to learn to pray, there's only one way you can do that, and that is by praying. You cannot just learn about it uh, academically, you can't just, you know, change your belief on it. To learn to pray means that you have to pray. And so today I want to close this series by looking at what keeps us from praying. What are the things in our lives, what are the things in your life that keep you from praying? I'm sure that you've found yourself at times in life where you went to pray, and you, know, you take your time and you settle in, and you're like, okay, I'm going to pray. And maybe you've even like, told yourself, I'm going to do this starting regularly now. And you sat down to pray, or you knelt to pray, or whatever you did. And the moment you started, you thought of all the things that you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I was going to email that person. I was going to call that person. I, oh, I forgot to do this. I was going to go pick up this. And, and you think of all of these things. And then you're like, man, if I don't quickly write these things down, or if I don't quickly go and do these things, I'm going to forget again. And so then you're like, okay, you're going to quickly take care of those things, and then I'll come back and pray. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one in the room that that has had those experiences, but I know that that's been uh, something that's been in my life quite often. And it's really, really frustrating because you're like, I want to pray, but the moment I try to pray, there's all these distractions. There's all these things that seem to want to keep us from praying. So I would say it like this, somewhat uh, facetiously. It's almost as if there's someone who doesn't want us to pray. It's almost as if there's someone who understands and who recognizes the full power of prayer and would do anything to keep us from engaging in the practice of prayer. And obviously you know who I'm talking about. Satan will work to distract you, to get you to focus on doing other things. He will also try to discourage you from praying. He may whisper lies into your ears or or He'll say things to you that, that you begin to believe. He may somehow convince you that God already knows everything you're going to ask. So why would you ask? He may tell you that your faith is not strong enough. That your faith isn't big enough. That you're not worthy. Just think of all the horrible things you did this week. And now you're going to pray Think about all the times that you disobeyed God this week, and now you're going to come before him and ask for things. He's going to try to tell you that you're not worthy to be heard. He's going to tell you that you're no good at praying. I I can't tell you how many times I've had people in my office say, you know what, why don't we pray together? And You pray and I'll pray. Oh, I'm no good at praying. All you got to do when you pray is invite Jesus into your heart and allow him to come and dwell and And interact with you and engage with you. But Satan's going to tell you that you don't know how to do that. That you're no good at praying. So don't pray. He's going to tell you that you've sinned. So often that God doesn't want to listen to your prayers. And the lies are going to go on and on and on. And all of these things are going to be lies that Satan will tell you. And many more. Anything to keep you from engaging in the practice of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 tells us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We know that Satan is out to destroy. We know that he is a liar. He is the enemy of God. And so therefore, we should not be surprised that he would then want to interrupt the very Way The very form in which we can engage with God. That we can share our needs with God. He will do all that he can to interrupt that engagement. To interrupt that communication. To somehow cause you to think that you can't do it. And that is his battle against every Christian. and That is what he would love for us to do. Because the less you pray, the more distant you will be from God. And he would love nothing more than to distant you with him. To the point where you think that you no longer have a relationship with God. So the next time you find yourself distracted when praying. The next time you find yourself reluctant to pray. Or you may think that it's not that important. I want you to focus at that moment. Could it be, could it be that it is Satan at work trying to keep you from praying? Could it be possible that your enemy, God's enemy is doing all he can to keep you from engaging in the practice of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Our prayer is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we would have a counselor, so that we would have a comforter, so that we would have a guide. Someone who would help us in our spiritual journey. So our prayer is dependent on the Holy Spirit. We are told that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. That when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit will pray for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So the Spirit of God will shine light on every aspect of our prayer life. And we must learn to be guided in our time of prayer. And in those moments when we feel that we don't know how to pray or we don't know what to pray, start by saying, Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Would you teach me? Would you guide me? Would you pray for me? If you find yourself struggling to pray to the point where you are disheartened and where you want to give up, I would really encourage you at that moment to seek the Spirit's help. To ask Him to help you in your weakness. He will guide you. He will teach you. The Spirit will help you in your time of prayer. But He's waiting on us to give Him the instruction to come and to help. And so the next time you find yourself in this place where you just are reluctant, turn to your source of help, which is the Holy Spirit. So often when we pray... I don't know about you, but often when we pray, we, we pray and we will say, you know, Jesus, thank you for this day, and, and Father, thank you for this day. And we really only ever mention two of the um, three persons in God. And so God is one, person, one being, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the triune God. And so when we struggle in prayer, maybe there are times where we just say Heavenly Father or, or Jesus, and we forget the tri you know the trinity of god that there is a, another person of god the holy spirit and the holy spirit is working in us in this time god jesus sent the holy spirit to help us in our journey in our faith and so let's not distance ourselves from the holy spirit let's invite the holy spirit to come and to minister to us invite the holy spirit to draw you to god to draw you near to god to open your eyes to see and to experience the beauty and the love of God. To strive to know God. Allow the Spirit to teach you through Scripture of who God is and in the power of God. And the more that you do this, I can almost guarantee you the more you will want to pray. So the first thing that we need to do if we find ourselves distracted is we need to recognize that there's a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. And we cannot fight this battle without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so turn and invite the Spirit to come and to fill you and to lead you and to guide you. Next what I want to do is a little bit more on the practical side. And so I want to give you some tools that I hope will help you to not become distracted. And if you're human, uh, you're going to find yourself distracted. And uh, we joke about this sometimes, like if you ever want to remember something that you committed yourself to doing, Just start to pray, and all of the distractions and all the things that you thought you should do will quickly come flooding in. So, how do we distance ourselves from some of these distractions? How do we become less distracted? So, the first thing that we need to start doing is we need to pray at fixed hours of the day. Okay? So, we pray at fixed hours of the day, not just in the morning, not just in the evening, you know, not just, you know, during dinner time. But I want us to set multiple times during the day where you will take time to pray. Now, we said hours. We're not talking about praying for hours each time. But if you would begin to discipline yourself and say, you know what? At 8 o'clock, at 8.21, I'm going to pause for a moment. That's my break time. That's my whatever time. That's when I normally do this or do this. I'm going to pause at that moment, and I'm going to say a two-minute prayer. I'm going to just spend two minutes with God practicing one of the forms that we looked at. At 12.01... I'm going to do the same thing again. At 201, I'm going to do the same thing again. At 401, I'm going to do the same thing You know, you pick the time. This is a practice that goes way, 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 way back. Devote Jews would pray up to three times a day. And early Christians picked up this practice. And if you look at the book of Psalms, David actually says that he prays multiple times a day. Psalm 119 Verse 164, it says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. In Psalm one nineteen sixty two, 62, it says, at midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Is this a, something that David did his entire life? We don't know. But there's definitely examples here that show us That there were disciplines that David put in place to pray regularly throughout the day. If you are waiting to pray only by the time you go to sleep at nighttime, you are exhausted, you are distracted, you will probably fall asleep. And so, why not give God our best time? Why not give God those times when we are most alert and spend time with Him in those moments? The lesson for us is this that prayer is a discipline. So, like I said, don't wait until you're exhausted to try to pray, because with that will also go your discipline. Give God your best, and these moments, these times of prayer, we're not looking at long, long, fixed, you know, intensive, intensive moments of prayer. But these could be moments where you just briefly, but thorough, you know, uh, intentionally thank God for something that's going on in your life and to take and to engage in Him in prayer. The second form, or the second way to uh, not be distracted is to, excuse me, is to pray spontaneously throughout the day. Now this is different than what we just talked about, and I'll explain in a bit. Frequently offer brief moments of prayer, of praise, of thanksgiving, confession, of intercession at, you know, as events arise. So as you're going throughout your day, you might just, oh, you know, your, your co-worker just shared something that's going on in their life, and you would just really quickly say a prayer for them. These are often called arrow prayers. You know, they're very pointed. They're very guided. They're very specific. You know, someone might call you and say, man, you know, I'm just so scared right now about this and this and this. And in that moment, you would just quickly pray by yourself. Or when you hang up, you would just say, God, you heard the conversation. I'm asking you now to intercede. And then you go on with your day. So these are the spontaneous prayers. These are brief moments of prayers that you are willing to do at any time. You drive down the road and you see someone's car broke down, you would quickly pray. Maybe if you're a mechanic, stop and help, you know. But other times, maybe you're like, man, I can't, but I'm going to say a quick prayer. These are spontaneous prayers, something that each one of us can do. Now, you need to add this time to your regular hourly set prayers, okay. Do not allow these to become a replacement, Because these are such short prayers, they're so focused, you don't want your entire prayer life just to be these spontaneous times of prayer. You need to include them into your set time of prayer, not to replace them. So you've heard us say from the pulpit, you know, that you can pray when you're driving your car, you can pray when you're walking, you can pray all these things. And those are all wonderful, wonderful things to do. The only concern is if that's the only time you're praying. And the reason for that is because usually when you're walking or when you're driving, you're not really doing a lot of battle. You follow me? These are like the moments where you're like, oh God, I just thought of you know, this and this and this, and I would just pray that you would help them, or like, wow, what a beautiful day. But when you are intentional about setting time to spend time with God, that is very, very different than doing these brief, quick, prayers and so include these into your regular time of prayer. The third thing that you can do to not be so distracted is to use different postures. So I would ask you this and you don't have to say anything back. But think for yourself for a moment, what is your main posture for praying right now? When you pray right now, what posture do you most often use? Now obviously if you're driving, you know you can't use certain postures, you have to stay focused and and spend time, you know, you know, driving and, and being careful, but if you would set yourself some times, what is the posture that you use most often? Because it's possible that if you're using the same posture for every prayer, you're going to be, you're going to find yourself getting sleepy. You're going to find yourself getting distracted, and so maybe changing up your postures would help you become more in tune with what you're doing. So I'm going to model some of these for you. I, kind of was wrestling with Maria this morning saying I don't know if I should because this I don't want to be a distraction. But let's let's try and if it gets a little weird then roll with it, okay? But let's say you want to give God praise. Let's say you want to just praise him and thank him for who he is and what he's done. But this is your posture. And that's it. You're just sitting in your chair, picture me sitting on a chair. And you're just like, yeah, thank you, God, for this day. And thank you for all the things that you do. I'm sorry if I'm sounding like I'm being a goof. But look at your posture. Is it a a posture of thanks? What if you would just try it? Raise your hands. God, you're good. You're awesome. I praise you. And you would just begin to stand and and raise your hands to him. Now, Kids are going to walk in the room and go, what has happened? To my mom and my dad. But model this for them. Model this for them. Because you want your body language to express what you're saying. Amen. I heard it. All of you were just like, amen. That's what I'm going to start doing from here on. So what about this one? What about kneeling? What about kneeling down? What if you need to make a confession? And, and this is your posture. And say, God, I confess this and this and this. What if you would humble yourself and you would actually kneel? And come before God, and I'm going to grab my notes so I can keep going here. And you would just be in this posture. And you're like, well, my knees can't do it. Figure it out. If your knees can't do it, then your knees can't do it. But there's other ways to kneel. But what if praying would be something that you would physically also do with your body language? Look at this. There are many verses in the Bible that talk about our posture. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our, God, our Maker. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father. Luke 22, verse 41. And he withdrew from them a stone throw away. This is speaking about Jesus. And he knelt down and he began to pray. Acts chapter 20, verse 36. We read how Paul, after saying all these things to him, he knelt down and prayed with all of them when making a request maybe you're really burdened by something what if this would be the posture what if this would be the posture that you would use to symbolize your dependence on god help you know help you accept your helplessness to come kneeling before him in humility physically kneeling can cause our heart to kneel My my legs already hurt. I've got bad knees. Too many years of running and too many years of tree planting. But what if I would say it's okay that my knees hurt, because it's important for me that my body experiences prayer. That I'm not just comfortable and physically comfortable to pray because I'm coming before the Almighty God. But let's take it even further. Let's say you've had a rough week and you've struggled with sin. And you need to make a confession. And this just doesn't feel like it's enough. So here's one that I've used quite often. I will, and this is where I'm sorry, it gets a little weird. I hope this floor is clean. I found myself lying down before God. Think about what this would mean for you right now if you were lying on the ground before God and saying, and well, maybe it's even this way. My sin is so great, God that all I can do is lie down before you in absolute humility, that I am not worthy, but you've made me worth everything in Christ. I have no right to request anything, so I lie myself before you, knowing that I recognize how great you are and how small I am. And now I come with that, as my body language, to confess the sin I've committed. My sin is serious to me because I know it's serious to you. So I want my body language to represent that I understand that I have sinned against Almighty God and need forgiveness. I don't know about you, but something about being on the ground for a long period of time will do something to your heart. And I think if there's a time for the church to be on their faces, these would be the days. And I say that for a wide range of reasons. Luke tells us that these ten lepers came back and they had all been healed or the ten lepers were there and They'd all been healed and one came back and he lay down before God. And so you can actually even use it as a form of praise. You're declaring, I'm lying here on the ground because I realize that I am not worthy of what you have done. In Revelations, we see multiple times where it is used as part of worship. They are laying on their faces, recognizing and acknowledging by their body language that they are not worthy. These are the elders, these are the creatures, kneeling down before Almighty God. Why would we as humans not do so here on this earth? It is an acknowledgement of the seriousness of our situation, of the seriousness of our sin, of our desperation for healing and for cleansing. If you have fallen into the habit of saying these quick confessional prayers and your body language does not represent or symbolize the significance of your confession, after a while, you will stop confessing. And so if we truly seek to not minimize our sin, then let's use our body language, let's use our postures as a way of declaring to God, I recognize how serious this is, and then bowing down before Him. There are many other postures that you can apply. For example, you can bow your head, which I'm sure most of you do, which is a sign of reverence and expression of worship. You can sit down on the ground. If you normally sit on a chair, sit down on the ground. Or if just sitting somewhere is good, this is usually an expression of authority. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, when people came and they would sit in front of someone, it was a way of declaring, I'm sitting down in front of you. You have authority over me. So if you're standing and there's a need for you to recognize and worship or in praise that God has authority, or maybe just sitting down on the floor is going to help you to understand and to symbolize that you recognize that you are under the authority and under the instructions of the Holy Spirit under God. Looking up to heaven. This is an example that Jesus used quite often where he would look up to the heavens. This is an indication of trust. It's an indication of an open relationship and of of a confidence that you have in your relationship with God. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I lift my eyes to the heavens. Where does my help come from? And he answers his own question. He says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot stumble. He who watches over you will not slumber. And so David again, looking up, and just looking up with his eyes, gazing at heaven is an indication so here's another one that many of you are maybe going to struggle with. Have you ever thought about dancing and praying? Woo. You all dance. I know you do. You know, This might be about the extent of it. That's all I got. But some of you, maybe a little bit more. But here's the thing. What if you're praising God and giving gratitude? Wouldn't it make sense that your body language should match that? That if you're saying, God, you're so good, you answered my prayer, oh my goodness, we have healing, we have this, we have that, you you brought our child back to us, you know, we wanted this house, and we got the house, and we wanted this, and we wanted that, and, and you've given me direction, you whatever, doesn't it make sense that we would dance? Amen, I heard it again, I heard it, this week... And multiple times people have called me and I can hear in their voice. And they're like, oh my goodness, God has answered this huge thing. God answered And I can hear the joy in their, in their voices. And I want to say to them, crank the music and have a party. Let your body represent and display that you are grateful. I have to say one small little caution to that. If you use country music. God may not hear the music, but he'll see you tapping your toes. And if the word dance is a stumbling block to you, then use another dance, I mean, another word. And, but make sure that your body language represents that you are grateful. So include these as part of your daily times of prayer. And you can use multiple forms throughout one time of praying. But rep, allow your body to display what you are saying so now I want to look really quickly at how to remember to pray so these were like how to not be distracted let's look really quickly now at how do we remember how do we not forget the presence of God and the need that we have to pray to him so let me ask you this how many times a day are you conscious of God's presence with you how many times a day think about yesterday How many times during yesterday were you just conscious of the fact that God is beside you and with you? How many times a day do you think about God? How many times a day or how many hours, minutes do you spend communicating with God? Now I know that these kind of questions often make us now, you know, kind of bow our heads and we're like, Oh, don't look at me because the answer usually is not enough. Not enough. As a matter of fact, some of you might say, I never once even thought about God yesterday. It just didn't cross my mind. So how do we change that? What if there was a way that we could bring a greater awareness so that in everything that we do, we could be aware of the fact that God is with us, that God is present? There's this really cool little thing. You can find it online. I've had to do this for courses I've taken, and it's it's a great way to engage. And it's by a man named Frank Ludbuck, and it's called The Game with Minutes. Strange name, but it works, and I'll guarantee you it works. What the goal of this is is to spend every single day, you know, doing different things to be aware that God is with you. So regardless of the activities that you're in, you might be going for a walk, you might be driving, you might be at work. There are things you can do that will remind you in all of those situations that God is with you. Let's look at just a few examples and you can be creative. Go online, it's free, uh, you can find this. But for example, when you're driving down the road and you see, every time you see someone walking, thank God for that person. It's just a simple little way That reminds you, every time I see someone walking, I'm going to say, God, thank you for being with me. And maybe pray for the person. But it's a way for you to see, whenever I see someone walking, so on Thursday night when you're driving down Erie Street, you're going to be aware of the presence of God. Because it's usually packed full of people. Or another one that you might have is when you're walking down the sidewalk, if you live in town. Don't walk down the center of the sidewalk. Walk to one side or the other. Leave room for Jesus to walk with you. Sounds silly, but I'm telling you it works. To do these little things that says, "Oh, I'm not going to walk down the sidewalk as if I'm all by myself. I'm going to move over a little bit because I've got God walking with me." You're not doing anything wrong. It's a simple little thing that you can do just to make yourself aware of the fact that God is with you. When you have a conversation and you're sitting in a, you know, with somebody and you're talking with them and it might be at work, it might be at home, wherever it is, but just begin to recognize that God is with you in those moments. So here's a couple of things you can do. Just put an empty chair in the room. You're not worshiping the chair. You're not, But it's a way of you saying, hey, I want to have this chair here as a way to remember that Jesus is sitting with me. It might just change some of your conversations. So have the chair there. And your friends are like, what's with the chair? Tell them what's with the chair. And encourage them to engage with it. I've done this, and I will look at the chair repeatedly. After a while, someone will say, why are you looking at the chair? Oh, Jesus is there. It's a way for me to recognize that Jesus is present with us. I'm not worshiping the chair. I'm just doing these things as a way to be reminded that Jesus is with me all the time. So tell your friends and see if they will engage. Another one that I thought of, um, or that I did that felt a little bit weird at first, but after a while it became something very, very meaningful to me. And that was whether I was reading, whether I was driving, whether I was in my bed, wherever it might be, I would just put my hand out like this as a symbol of saying, God, I'm willing to hold hands with you if you want. And you might look at that and say, Ike, that's so weird, but it's not. Why wouldn't we want to do these things to engage with God? And I know for myself there's been times And I told you about this a little bit. I felt God was so close and he was holding my hand. He's walking with me. He's guiding me. So do these little things as a way to remind yourself of the constant presence of God. You do not want to think about God only when you're praying. You want to do these things so that you are constantly, constantly aware of God's presence. And we could come up with tons and tons of other things that you could do to make yourself aware of the fact that God is present with you. But as we conclude this series, my heart has been the entire time that you will make the effort to pray. That you will make the effort to learn to pray, to practice praying, and then to dedicate yourself to spending time in prayer. God wants to hear from you. God, Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want to come in. He wants to come in. He wants to have fellowship with him, with you. So open the door. Let him come in. Spend time in prayer. And I believe God's going to do amazing work in all of us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Jesus, I pray that as we go from here, and as maybe we're going to be tempted again to get stuck in the busyness of today and the busyness of tomorrow and all the things that are going on, I just pray at this moment that we would just be aware that in all of the craziness and all of the schedules and all of the conversations and all of the work and everything that we're doing, you are with us. We're not alone. And so I pray that we would now make a special effort to somehow find a way to remember that because you are there always. It's us that forgets about your presence, and we don't want to do that. We want to be a people who is aware of your love and your presence with us always. Pray these things in Jesus' name.